Thanks for checking out Journey Church. This week we have a message by Pastor Kevin Taylor. Most every some, uh, single person in the room has a secret. Of one kind or another, you have something at least private, something that lies within, something that, let's just say if we were to publish your life story on the screen, big screens for everybody in the room to see, the room would probably be vacant. We'd probably run screaming from the room. There are things known only to you, and some of those secrets are not only detrimental to your spiritual life and your relational life and even your mental life and your personal life, but they are prime weapons that are used by the enemy in order to keep us chained. There is a website called postsecret.com. It is really a community art project where people can send in postcards on one side of it. They just tell their secret. They will tell it anonymously, uh, but it gets posted, and it's, in a sense, it, it, it's a way for them to just kind of get it off their chest, but nobody really knows who they are. It just kind of tells you the power of letting go of your secret. And here was just some of the things that are posted on that website. The, the rose says, I love my sister very much, but I know that her kids are better off in their foster home. Something that she would never tell her sister, but she kind of got it off her chest. The bottom left says, it's a kid being baptized and, uh, you know, the people are celebrating, but, but he says, the only thing I felt was cold. Sorry, dad. Uh, the middle one says, I am afraid to lose the weight because I fear I will still be rejected by guys. At least when I'm fat, there is a clear reason why no one looks at me. A secret somebody just has to get off their chest. The, the top right says, my dream job would be getting paid to go around in the, in the winter and kick these off of cars and trucks. <laughs> There's someone with great ambition. And the bottom one says, I want to eat a bowl of craft dinner and not feel guilty. Who can say amen to that? All right. So here's the verse that we will kind of focus on uh, today and through probably through several of these weekends. It's a powerful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, though we walk in the flesh, and we do, we walk in the flesh. If you pinch me, if you, if you stick me, I bleed. So though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. That echoes the book of Romans. It says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against other things besides flesh and blood. And here it, it doubles down there. We don't wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is just that part of your life that will not let go. It just keeps showing up over and over. It was on your resolution list in January, and it was there the January before that, and the January before that, and the January before that. It, then it says we destroy arguments. The reason that we have to demolish wrong things in our minds is because the devil keeps making an argument for them. And so the Bible says that we have to destroy the arguments and the pretenses because the devil pretends by turning things that are lies into half-truths and getting us to tell us that those pretensions should have a place. So we destroy arguments and pre pretenses and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We, we become transformed by the renewing of our minds. But man, our minds are tough nuts to crack, aren't they? Most of us know somebody whose life has been, if not harmed, possibly wrecked by some form of addiction. The truth is, that's many, many more of us 
to some degree because it isn't just illicit sex addicts that we're talking about today. It might be that, but it isn't just that. It isn't drug addicts alone that we're talking about today. It isn't alcohol addicts. It isn't gambling addicts, folks with anger issues. It is anything that I do that I know that I shouldn't. And anything I want to stop, but I can't quite figure out how. Something that if that was not in your life, you know your life would be better. And how many now more have been included in that in that group, right? A porn addiction, an addiction for approval, excessive worry addiction, your iPhone addiction. I've seen some of you. <laughs> We're over there baptizing you. You got your phone in your one of your hands. They're putting you under. You go, like, don't get my phone wet. Hold my phone up there. You you messed up. (laughs) There are things that control us and hold power over us. There are shopping addictions. There are work addictions. There are activity and hobby and even leisure sports addictions. There is an overworking on your body addiction. Your family can even be an addiction. Anything I continue in that controls me is an addiction. And so now we're talking about a whole bunch of us, including me. And Paul dedicates a whole chapter to this in his book to the Romans. It's chapter 7. Part of chapter 7 says this, Paul speaking, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. How many know what Paul's talking about? Huh? When I want to do right... Evil feels, for I delight in the law of God. In other words, I I love you, Jesus. I do, but I have this thing. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war. There's a battle going on 24-7 against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, I don't even like myself. Who will deliver me from the body of this death because it is tearing me apart? So we're going to attack this this way today, <coughs> and for much of this series, we're going to attack it like this. You, you received this when you came in. If you didn't, you can get it on your way out. But this is the diagram that we're going to filter all of our stuff through during this series. This will be very helpful to you if you continue following it, put it on the screen for you. We'll kind of just walk through it. We're going to first notice what the deal is. What's the wall that's separating me from God? And then we're going to demolish that stronghold and that pretension and that argument. Then we're going to name whatever the lie is. We're going to name it and call it out. And then we're going to take it captive with, by naming the truth as well. Then we're going to nurture the truth by making that obedient to Christ and surrendering that. And we're going to form some new thought pathways in our minds and in our hearts and in our wills and in our emotions and all of that. So here we go. And just, just, just play along with me today, because we're going to expose a bunch of lies. So whenever you see me do this, I just need to shout this out. Ready? One, two, three. Lie. That's pretty good. One more time. One, two, three. Lie. Because if we can figure these out, then we have a clearer pathway to victory. So here's the first lie we're going to put on notice when it comes to addiction, not just, not just porn, not just sex, not just alcohol, not just drugs, those things for sure, but other things that you will filter through that diagram and through 
what we're gonna what we're gonna say here. Here's the first. My addiction is my identity. For sure, right? My addiction is my identity. That is a statement from hell, friends. And I'm just putting it on notice today. That's a lie. There are these 12-step programs where we have a Freedom Seekers ministry here as well, where we help people who are in addiction of different kinds of, in different kinds of ways. And some of those programs, they have people admitting what, what they are out loud. And they don't all do this, but some do. Where you might say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a sex addict, I'm a molester, I'm an abuser. And I, I get why some of them do that. I understand it. But in the sight of God, you are not what you have done. You are the man and the woman who God sees. But even God doesn't see you as you are. God sees you as you can become. So we're putting that lie on notice. My addiction is not my identity. My granddaddy was mean. My daddy was mean. We all have red hair. We all mean. No, no. So we're going to name the lie and then we're going to name a truth to go with it. The lie here is false identity. The truth of the scripture is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. And those verses say, because of his great love for you, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. That's who you are. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. You were made alive in Christ. This is your identity. Not this thing that you're struggling with. You, this is the truth of God that you have been made alive in Christ. So we're going to nurture a new tr- truth path with it. Since you are alive in Christ, you put him first in every area of your life. In every area. Is that, that's the, isn't that the definition of being alive in Christ? That you put him first, it, is, it isn't when you pray a prayer, it isn't when you sign a card, it isn't when you join a church, it's when you reorder your gods. It's when you reprioritize your loves. It's when the one true God regains his rightful place on top in your life. Christianity is not a perfect life. Let me free you from that. Christianity is not living a life of no mistakes. Christianity is not a person who goes to church a lot. Christianity is not somebody who just believes in God. It's someone who has said, Jesus, take first place in my life. That's the definition. Take first place in my heart. Take first place in my mind. Take first place in my ways. Here's how we ensure that God really is king. And I have said this so many, many, many times. It's kind of a thing for me. You give God the first of everything. You give him, that's just a decision that you make. You give him your very first words in the morning. As soon as you get up, your heart and your mind are turned to him. Very first words in the morning, good morning, Lord. Instead of like, good Lord, morning. (laughs) Switch those words. (laughs) You give him the very first of your day. So before you you check your emails, before, you know, whatever, you you pull out the Bible and you read a psalm. That, That takes three minutes. You can do that. Or if version is on your phone, you do reach for your phone, but rather than check your text, you bring up version and you begin to read the scripture for the day. You pull up your library of music that's God-honoring and spirit-honoring on your phone and you play a song five minutes. You can do that. You can give God the first of your day. It's just a decision. 
that you decide to make to put Jesus first. Then you give him the first of your week. And that's why we gather here. That's the power of community, that we're giving God the first of our week, gathering together as the church of Jesus Christ. You give God the first of your week. You give God the first of your income. You give him that first fruit. You bring that back to him, that 10%. It's your table. You have the 90% on your table. Your table is busting at the seams. God has 10% on his table. It doesn't even look like much. I don't even, I don't even totally understand this. But God honors that, and God sees that, and God blesses when you give him first in every area of life because your identity is in Christ. You are alive in him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's another lie that we'll put on notice, the lie that says, I will never shake this. Come on. Never shake it? That's a lie. Because you can shake it with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are here and if you're breathing, you are a candidate for freedom. You, you, you might say, and I, I've heard it said, PK, my issue is irreconcilable. Lies. Not with the power of Christ, it isn't, because we serve a God who brings beauty from ashes. And we serve a God who said that whatever the worm has eaten, I'll recover a thousandfold. God says you can restart. So here's what Paul says in Romans 7. See if you don't identify with this. I've tried everything and nothing helps. So far? I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right. And I I love that phrase, that he acted to set things right. And I want to encourage you that no matter what has happened... Whatever happened in 2018 or before, God can set that right in 2019. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, yet I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Can anybody identify with that sentiment? So here's the lie and here's the truth that we're going to replace that with. The lie is that we are going to, the lie is fatalism. It just, it's going to happen. But the truth is from Titus, the second chapter that says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That means you can shake it because there is power to shake it. Power in Christ over the evil thing that will not let you go. The eighth chapter of John says that whoever the Son sets free is truly free. So here's the new pathway that we're going to nurture, that you can shake it when you learn to say no to your flesh. You can shake it by the power of the Spirit. When you learn with his help to say no to the flesh. I know that sounds overly simplistic and these things are not simple. I get that. But you will not overcome any kind of addictive behavior until first you realize that it's sin. It was not just an unwise choice. It's not just a behavior that needs slightly modified. It was sin. And because it's sin, the Bible says that leads to death. And you won't overcome that until you learn by the power of the Spirit to tell your flesh, no. You are a three-part being. 
You have a spirit that really loves God a lot. That's the part of you that was saved when you came to faith in Christ, and that's why you're going to go to heaven when you die or uh, when Jesus comes back, whichever one of those comes first, because that's the part of you that's like God. God's a spirit, and you are spirit. But you have two other parts. You have a soul, which could be defined as your, <coughs> your mind, your will, and your emotions. That, that, that's that part of you that regularly gets attacked by the enemy. And you have a body. And your body also has its own set of cravings that are constantly screaming at you. And all three of them want to be in charge of you. And each of them are in charge of you whenever you say yes to that one and let that one have its own way. They're in charge of you at that moment. But if you will learn the art of denying your flesh, if you'll learn the art of denying your own will, And if you learn the art of denying your emotions and even in denying your appetites, even if they're okay appetites, if you would just learn how to say no to that. So there is power in regularly denying your flesh. I've been hanging on this phone too much. So I'm going to set it over here for a while. Set over here for a couple days. I'm going to set over here for eight hours. I'm going to sit over here for three hours. I'm going to say no to that because it's kind of started to rule me a little bit. I'm going to take a fast from social media for a a period of time. Nothing wrong with social media or your iPhone. I use both all the time. I have fun with both of those. I, I, in many ways, I lead church with it. But every now and then, we all need to say no to that just to make sure that it isn't leading us. Food. Every now and then, I'm going to take a few days to say no to food. All food. Now you're you're getting crazy. (laughs) For no other reason than just saying, for no other reason than just saying, you do not own me, Portillo's chocolate cake. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Do not own me. For no other reason than just to flex the muscle of self-discipline in my own life. I'm going to say no just because. I'll, I'll have chocolate later, trust me. But I'm going to say no to it today just to make sure that it isn't leading me. You get it. Because I refuse to let anything other than Jesus rule my life. Romans says... Do not let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey it, its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Think I'd like to look at that. No. Think I'd like to, think I'd like to touch that. No. Think I'd like to drive there. I thought I had to go there. No. Do not use your members as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And then Galatians goes on to say, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. They've said no. They've nurtured this truth pathway 
by crucifying the flesh with its passions and its desires. So here's a quick plan for freedom. And if you're writing something down, this is a good place to do that. It's just a quick six or seven or eight steps for freedom. The first is just you, we ask God for forgiveness on a regular basis. Because the Bible says that if we are faithful to ask forgiveness, he'll be faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And then we read the word of God. We read the Bible and we let the power of the Bible strengthen us and purify us. We use the soap method, and on your way out today, since the last Sunday of the month, you're going to get this soap plan for the month of May, Bible reading. Soap, the soap plan is the S of Scripture. You read it, then you observe it. That's the O. What, what's it saying? You use the A. You apply it. What does it mean to my life? And then the P is prayer. You pray the Scripture. And in that way, you begin to develop godliness and holiness and righteousness. You strengthen yourself, and then you listen to faith-building messages, Go back into our archives, listen to some of the messages, or are there so many other things out there that are solid, biblical, godly messages you can listen to 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 build your strength and your faith? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. So get that into your spirit and then pray and fast. Jesus said there are certain things that, that don't get accomplished and that don't come out of you and don't go into you unless you, unless you pray and you fast. And then we take control of our thoughts by bringing all of those into alignment, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then we confess out loud the promises of God over your life. So whatever your thing is, if it's just an excessive worry addiction, you look in the scriptures for all the, all the scriptures that, that say how you can be free from worry. And you can have peace and anxiety doesn't have to be yours and you put them everywhere. You put them in your car and put them on your mirror and put them on your desk at your office or wherever it is you work. If, if your issue is purity, you look up all the scriptures that have to do with you can have a pure spirit and you put those everywhere that you can think of and then you confess that out loud. Speak that over your own life because the Bible says that there's power of death and life in the power of the tongue. It's, it's both there. So speak good things over your life in the name of Jesus and then be filled with the spirit. Ask God that the Holy Spirit would come into your life more and more and more. You're sitting at home. You're doing your own devotionals. Ask God to fill you with the Spirit right there. And then you surround yourself with and be accountable to people who love Jesus and who can be supportive in your journey because one of the worst things that you can do to try to solve your own thing and your own addiction is to do it by yourself. There is great power in the power of community. Let's look at another lie. This lie says that this thing cannot be solved by spiritual means. Come on. This thing I'm fighting, PK, it's it's not spiritual. It's physical. This thing that I'm dealing with, it it isn't spiritual. It's emotional. What I'm dealing with, it, it isn't spiritual. It's marital. It's relational. It's visual. It isn't spiritual. Spiritual. Historically and biblically, when something other than God has begun to grip a person, in 100% of cases, the stronghold had its root in idolatry. An idol is anything that we allow to sit on the throne of our, our lives other than God. So anytime that you have something other than God sitting there, it has the power to control you. It is not just a habit. It isn't just an addiction. It becomes a love. And whatever we fall in love with, we begin to obsess over. 
And whatever we begin to obsess over, we begin to imitate. And whatever we begin to imitate, we become. And whatever we become has the power to lead us. And in that very same place lies the solution. That if you really want to address an addiction or anything that's just like gets globbed onto you, it's that stronghold. And again, I'm not oversimplifying this because these, I understand these things are difficult. They're difficult in my life. We will have no success until we dethrone whatever God is sitting there and put the true God in the, spirit, in the driver's seat of your life because it is a spiritual issue. No, no, Pastor, it, it was when I started taking those pills. It's a spiritual issue. No, it was, it was that night. I remember it, it was back there like 2 in the morning and everybody was sleeping and I went to the computer and I started pulling up. What, that's, that's where I said, no. It's a spiritual issue. And you cannot overcome it until you recognize that thing and put a new king on top of your heart because God is greater than your thing. He's greater. So the lie that we will call out is that it's impossible. And the scripture that we will use to can, we could use a lot of scriptures. We could have used the scripture that says with God, nothing's impossible. But 1 Corinthians 2.12 says that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. So you can overcome that because you have been given the spirit of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So you can overcome it with the help of the Holy Spirit in you because you're alive in Christ. Here's the new truth pathway that we are going to nurture. That whatever you feed thrives, and whatever you starve dies. Let me just use this illustration to make that clear. <coughs> I didn't make this up. It's not, it's not a tale. It's actually what happens in the animal world. It's the story of the cuckoo. Mother and father cuckoos, when they mate and they have a baby cuckoo and um, mother is carrying the baby... The, mother, the mothering skills of the mother cuckoo are not very grand. This is her MO. When she's ready to give birth to her baby chick, one, she has one at a time, she flies around looking for an empty nest in the spring where the mother of a smaller bird, let's just say a robin, is off doing her motherly duties and her other little eggs are in the nest and the mother is gone. And the Cuckoo mother sits on that nest for a few moments and deposits her egg in the nest of the robin. The mother robin had four little blue eggs in her nest when she left. When she returns, not being very mathematically astute, (laughs) she does not recognize that now there are five eggs. There are four little blue eggs and one large cuckoo egg. So she sits on all of them and begins to hatch them one at a time. And ultimately, she hatches five children. Four little cute robin mouths pointing upwards and one giant cuckoo chick. 
So she goes off to do her motherly duties and bring back breakfast and lunch and supper day after day. And as she does, and those little birds are straining for a bite, who do you think gets all the food? And the story of nature is that as that happens, the little robin chicks begin to die one at a time. And as mother robins will do when a baby chick dies in the nest, she will kind of scoop it out of the nest onto the ground dead until eventually all four of her chicks have died. And now she is mothering one cuckoo bird. You get the moral. Whatever you feed thrives. Whatever you starve dies. You can't overcome it because you are alive in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you name the lies and you rename the truth and if you learn to say no to your flesh and if you begin to starve what is bad for you and you begin to feed what is good for you. Let me put another lie on notice today. The lie says that not only is it hopeless, but I am hopeless. Let's name the truth, let's name the lie right away, which is hopelessness. And then the truth of that, to, to balance that, is 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter that says, God is faithful. <clears throat> he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to outlast it. God never says that you are such a hot mess. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with you. He never says that. He's provided for you freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he provides a way out for your thing. So here is the new uh, pathway that we need to nurture here is that God wants to rescue you, and God wants to heal you. One of the weirdest things that we believe is that God saved us in order just to get us to heaven. That's, that isn't true. <laughs> God wants you to have a productive and satisfying and great life here, now. He wants you to be healthy, not perfect, but he wants you to be healthy. And so he's interested in more than just getting you to heaven. Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is, this is what the Spirit gives to us so that we can have a healthy and a satisfying life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Oh, PK, I, I have no self-discipline. <laughs> yes, you do. Did you just hear what I read? It says you do. No, I, 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 have, I, have, like, I have like zero self-control. Yes, no, no, you don't. Did you just not hear what we read? It says that you have that. The Holy Spirit put that in you. He put that in you in a seed form. The moment you receive Christ, that is injected into you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, but what do seeds need in order to grow? Uh, several things, but one thing they need is water. And remember, whatever you feed thrives. So Ephesians says, God will sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is the living water right here. <laughs> this is how the seeds grow. So he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
that she might be holy and without blemish. I cannot control myself. Yes, you can. That's why we don't say that. Because self-control may not be a strong or present reality in your life, but it's still a wrong statement. Because you have access to all the fruit of the Spirit, including self-control, if you're a believer in Jesus. You have to water it with the living water, with the water of the Word. You have to water it. And that holds true for patience and for goodness and uh, for love and for joy and for faithfulness and all the fruit. The distance between where we are right now and where we want to be is filled with doing things we don't want to do. Can I say that again? The distance between where we are right now and where we want to be, that gap is filled with doing things we don't want to do. How many of you who may be in a little bit of debt want to be out of debt? So the distance between where we are right now and where we want to be is filled with doing a bunch of cruddy things that we don't want to do. So we have to stop buying things we, we don't need and we have to stop buying things more than we can afford and we have to get on a plan that's rigorous and, and even difficult and, and be steady and consistent. But the distance between where we are right now and where we want to be is filled with doing all kinds of things we don't want to do. But God wants to rescue you. And God wants to heal you. Here's a fifth lie that we'll put on notice, the last one. God hates me when I keep failing. One more time, come on. God doesn't hate you. That's a lie from the devil. The lie is that there is this God-loathing going on, that God hates me, and because I keep feeling God hates me, ultimately I just start to hate him. And then I just think he hates me more. I just start to hate him more. And I could use a thousand scriptures here. But one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is 1 John chapter 3 at the beginning when it says, see what love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Beloved, you are a child of God. And so the, the new truth pathway that we have to nurture is that God loves me as much now as he did before. Before I screwed it all up. God still loves me on your worst day. He loves you just as much as he did on your best day. And when you begin to grasp that unconditional love of God for your life, it just trickles down <laughs> And you start to love others, and you start to see others as actually loving you. But when you have a God-loathing, then it's hard for you to love others, and it's really hard for you to see others loving you. But see what love the Father has for you. Romans says that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loves you, no matter what. That's just the truth. Let me give you one last truth, not these first two screens, 
but that last screen. And maybe this is a main thing in the whole quest for getting past our strongholds, and that is that we would just go all in with Jesus. Go all in with Jesus, right? No, all, all that, that Christianity stuff, PK, that didn't work for me. None of that stuff worked for me. Of course it didn't work for you. You didn't go all in. You went partway in. That's why it didn't work. Because the power of God works. The power of the Holy Spirit works. Give Jesus a year of your life. All in. Thousand percent. Just see what happens. I, I don't have a fear saying that to you. I don't have a doubt when I would challenge you to what would happen if you would give God a year of your life and come back April 28th, 2020 and see what happens. I have no fear saying that to you because I know what will happen. You will be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You won't even recognize yourself. Your friends are going to recognize you. Your family recognize you. Who stole my husband? Where is he? I don't have one doubt in my mind challenging that because your life will be forever changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no doubt. Get in community. This is how the power of the mind gets conquered. You don't do that alone. You find a group. You see a mentor. You, you, you get a counselor. But whatever you do, don't do that alone. Without giving him too much credit, you're no match for the enemy. But there is more power in the pinky of God than in all the forces of evil. That's who you need on your side. Romans 12, last thing says, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you, and you know that's true. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm diving in all the way. What would happen if you did? I will tell you, you'd be transformed outside and inside. More like Jesus. You, just, you can't just say yes to Jesus and slide him over there. <laughs> I'm not saying there won't be struggles. But what would you be willing to say? I'm going to give it more this year than I've ever given it before. Go all in. That isn't just a, that isn't just a cute t-shirt. That is an acknowledgement that in the deepest struggle, the deepest stronghold, the deepest addiction that you might face this year, you find a way to say, God, I trust you. It is not who I am. It is not my identity. It is not hopeless. It is not impossible. I'm not hopeless. You don't hate me. I'm all in. Be changed.
and you will walk in here next year and you will say, God, you were right. You did. You changed me. By the power of the Spirit, you did it. Never regret it. Bow your head, close your eyes for a minute. That's the simple call today, friends. Who wants to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Who wants to just go in all the way with Jesus? If you do, would you lift your hand right now? I just want to go all the way in with Jesus. Thank you, God. Would you just all stand up now? Could I ask the prayer teams to come on forward to the front? <coughs> Would you lift your hand or hands for just a moment? Surrender. God, we just want to go all the way in with you. Would you just begin to pray that to the Lord today? Would you begin to surrender yourself? God, where we have fallen, we confess it. We call out the sin in our life. And we ask that you, by your mighty power and by your amazing grace, that you would change us by your spirit. We thank you that it's by grace that we're saved. We don't have to roll up our, our sleeves or pull up our bootstraps or any of that. God, we just have to acquiesce to your power by faith. And so we do that today. God, I pray that you would come to this congregation and that you would cause a wave of the Holy Spirit to move back and forth through this place, that you would begin to remove addictions, that you would begin to remove strongholds, the things that the enemy has poured onto us and caused us to have chained against a wall or, or some immovable thing, God, that you would begin to break that in Jesus' name, that the power of your spirit would come, that it would rest on every single ha- head and every hand and every heart and all of our minds, that you would continue to transform us by the renewing of our minds. God, that you would cause us to say, be people who would say, I am all in with you, Lord Jesus. I know that you love me. I call out the lies of the enemy who would want to destroy me and kill me and wound me and scar me and divide my marriage and make me sick. All those things, God, we call them out. But God, we also call out your truth that you are for us and not against us, that you are our healer, that you have a plan for divine living and for holy living, that you would make us instruments for righteousness and not for unrighteousness. God, that we would recognize that there is a power in the name of Jesus that is there to free us and to liberate us. You said that whom the sun sets free is free indeed, truly free, never to go back to all the things we had before. So God, begin to lift those things from us, from our shoulders and from our bodies and from our minds. God, let the worry go away. God, let the stress and the anxiety, God, the, the, the desire to look at things we're not supposed to look at and go somewhere we're not supposed to go and touch something that you guys, you said, don't touch that. God, give us the control to do that by the power of the Spirit. Help us to be energized to say no to our flesh and to say yes to the power of the Spirit. We thank you for that, God. We trust you for it. Help us to walk and live and be in victory all week this week. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. We magnify you. We ask all of that in the awesome and the strong and the beautiful name of Jesus. We thank you, God. And everybody said, amen. For more info about Journey Church, 
please visit jrnychurch.com.